0: Welcome to the Debo Unfiltered Podcast. We are your hosts, Our Mary, Dr. Nafi, and Anafai Batnar.
1: We are here to engage, educate, and hopefully
2: empower you. Today's episode is about female genital mutilation or cutting. Female genital mutilation or cutting means piercing, cutting, removing, or sewing clothes all or parts of a girl or woman's external genitals for no medical reasons. Today, we have a special guest, Saini Sise, who is here to share her story with dealing with female genital mutilation or cutting. Before I introduce um, Saini and give her the floor, I would firstly like to pass it on to our co-host, Dr. Nafi, to give us a more in-depth history and give us the breakdown of female genital mutilation. Nafi, over to you.
1: Thank you, Anna. Good morning, everybody, our listeners, and welcome, Saini. Um, so today, you. the topic we're going to talk about, Anna, just um, related. So female circumcision, which is sometimes called female cutting or female um, mutilation, you know, the names differ. And uh, what it is um, pretty much is any type of cutting of the genitalia, of the female genitalia, is, is considered uh, a female circumcision or mutilation. So now this topic, before I get started, we want to make sure that we we put a trigger warning to it because we're going to be talking about a lot of heart issues, um, some of which may be triggering to some of our listeners. So we wanted to just put a trigger alarm or a warning if you're one of those people who emotionally might not be able to listen to some of the hard stuff. Just, you know, warning for you. Maybe you may not want to listen to it, but it is definitely going to be one of those things that you would want to listen to just for education purposes. Mm-hmm. So this topic, it is highly sensitive. It is very contentious and supercharged topic today. Um, and so what it typically is, I'll give you a quick history because um. So, female genital mutilation is something that has been around in this world for as far back as the fifth century, and typically this is fifth century BC, uh, and this is before Christ. This is before Islam, before any of that stuff, right? And so, typically, <clears throat> there's uh, four types to it. So, type one is where they actually do unhooding of the clitoris, so partially removal of the clitoris. And part two is, uh, or type two, is uh, where they take out the entire clitoris, including some of your labia, labia majora, labia minora, which is the little flaps that are around the clitoris. So part two is where they take out both the clitoris and the labia. And uh, part three is where they actually do all of that, and then still go ahead to narrow the vaginal canal a little bit. And the fourth type is called sealing. And that's the type where they actually completely almost close the vaginal canal. And that's the type that we, in our local language, in Mandinka, they will say suki, right? Or in Wolof, like "nune and nafata. So that's what that means. It just it translates to sealing the the vaginal canal, and this is all done because it's it's in our culture. So the different places where this is done, it, it's done in Asia, it's done in Africa, and uh, in in some parts of Middle East, like it's 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 practiced there. But we're gonna focus mostly on Gambia because we're all Gambians, and Gambia is what we know, and that's the culture that we're familiar with. And so in the Gambian culture. <clears throat> The main the main tribes that have performed this for centuries is, is the Mandinkas do it, the Jolas do it, and the Hausas do it. Um, the Sarahules and the Fulas and the Bambaras also do it. Now, depending on what tribe you are in, the Mandinkas, Jolas, and the Hausas, they typically practice type 1 and 2. And then the Sarahules, the Fulas, and the Bambaras, they typically do type 3 or 4 so it's pretty severe types but that's not to say that if you are a mandinka you have not experienced any of the other types as well and typically in gambia what happens is there's a ngansimba which is a lady who is designated to do these things to 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 the person and the age group that we see these things done in is typically around 8 years old Nine all the way to 15. That's usually the area where uh, the age group where this is introduced to the child. And um, so we have obviously um, talked about this uh, in our own community, but we bring it up today to discuss it because there is a movement in Gambia. Currently, as we speak to you guys, obviously, FGM is. it's, it's not allowed, it's banned in Gambia, it's illegal. But there is a movement to try to repeal it. And so this asks for a conversation uh, from both um, corners of the group, because there's people that are against um, you know, uh, FGM, which we are in our platform. And then there's a group that is hoping that it would be repealed based on their own beliefs or whatnot. And so um, when we do talk about it, I'll, I'll get more into why um, we, you know, in our cultures, in our communities, we do it. And I think it's seen as maybe a rite of passage, as a cultural thing. Um, and, 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 and some even go as far as saying that it's a religious rite, which it's not. And so, um, but but again, we'll get into that a little bit more as well. And, and what my main takeaway or, or my main focus is, is that, FGM is mostly cultural but there is no medical or physical benefit to the person the child or the woman who has it done and so and based on that we wanted to use this as an education to 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 have a conversation as well an open conversation to talk to people because this has been an issue that's been going on for like i said generations my mom had to deal with all this stuff and so we're hoping to get a better way of communicating and getting through to people as far as this is concerned. So Saini, our guest today, I am super excited she's here. Saini is actually my first cousin, and she is going to talk to us about um, how this has affected her. So FGM is pretty close and near and dear to my heart because it's something that's performed in my tribe as the Mandinka tribe. And so... um, I will let Saini go through her journey. She's going to explain to us her experience on around how she actually got to have this happen to her and her journey since then. Welcome, Saini.
2: I'm not sure if Saini's is still on. Saini, do you hear us?
1: Oh, no. I don't know if she's still there. Um, yeah. Anna, do you think you can send her another link, maybe?
2: Yes. I'll do that. You, I can me- hear
1: you. Oh, great. Oh. Sandy, are you there? <laughs> yes, I am here. Okay, good. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Oh. All right, go ahead. We'll give you the platform so you can go ahead and talk to us a little bit about your experience.
3: Okay. Um good day ladies it's good to be back on your platform i am super thrilled that i am back here talking about fpm this time around <laughs> um i will talk about my story and then you can ask me questions as we go ahead yeah yes yes okay good so i was about eight years ago Sorry, I was about eight years old when this practice was performed on me. I can vividly remember it was a very rainy day. Um, my mom and dad went at home. So a very close relative of ours came to, to the house. We were with our grandma. So she spoke to our grandma and then all of a sudden um, our grandma said, Sini, Sana, you have, to, you have to go with your aunt somewhere and all of a sudden i felt really bad i felt that um something was going to happen then i started crying that i don't want to go but my my uh, my grandma said no you have to go just go you're coming back soon i'm like okay let's go so i was still crying you know they gave us mint biscuits you know how they they entice you with um with stuff as a kid mm-hmm. so i told my twin brother i don't know where we are going but um I don't think it's going to be good so he was just like just eat the biscuit and mint we're, we're gonna be fine very soon we'll be back then i, I there was nothing i could do they, they were elders so i could not do anything and i was a kid so we we, we went um to um james senegal i don't know if you ladies know where james senegal is in banjo uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
3: so we went to james senegal um there's this compound right before you. Um, you turn to um, uh, what's it called again? Mm, I forgot the name. Hi, uh, Spalding Cove. Right before Spalding, there is this building. This high building. It's in pink also. Now the compound before the building. That's where the car stopped. So oh. we got in inside the compound. I was still crying. It was raining. Um, it was only me who was dropped at that compound. The car continued with my twin brother. So I, did, I didn't know where he went. So um, m- um, it was me and two of my um, relatives. So we got in the car and then we entered the, ha- the compound. So by the time we got to this, this, this um, one-bedroom apartment, um, as, we go- as we got inside the living room, I started crying more because I saw kids lying on the side of the um the living room on the both the left hand side and the right hand side. I don't know why they were lying there, but they were all um lying there about four on the side, four on the other side. I started screaming, screaming. So by the time we got to the bedroom, they um they used a cloth to tie my um my eyes I was resi- resisting it though, so I managed to pull one eye and then I saw two two women inside the toilet and then you know they had more powers than me so they they pulled me on the ground and then tied harder so that I wouldn't see anything. Then they um, got me into the to the to the toilet. All of a sudden, I was put on the lap of someone the lady was sitting and i was put on her lap i could not see but i could hear them speaking in mandinka then they opened my legs and all i could feel i could feel was someone holding my clitoris and then something sharp was going through it i screamed i screamed extremely loud and i could say that was the first day i altered my mandinka word A a Akanyanta means doina in in, in Mandinga, like it's enough. Um, From there, I could still feel them on my private part. They did not stop at mutilating me because I wouldn't call it cutting. They did not only cut the tip. They removed all the clitoris. So after removing the clitoris, I could feel them On my private part, but I did not know what they were doing. I was just crying. And I guess that was the time they were doing the ceiling. So they did the ceiling and everything, and I was taking back to um, this compound in Primate Street. And the pain was so intense that all I was all i did was i was shivering just shivering mangalohra you know um and when we got to that compound they took a cloth you know how um in how uh, you go to some some um less privileged homes and you see them um the babies you see how they used the clot to cloth too to um stop them from peeing from themselves like put it inside their their, their um their gel jellies, mm-hmm.
1: you know, right mm-hmm. so backwards. um they, they
3: yeah, so they, they, they took a cloth and then put it in front of my um, my uh, front side through my gel jelly and then at the back side through my gel jelly, so it would cover me. And that was the worst part because, you know, I was mm. bleeding, continuously bleeding. And, you know, when, when blood is stained on a cloth, when it gets dry, mm. it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. So... That hardness was always on the part that was removed. So it was causing more pain to me. All the time I was in pain every day, 24 hours, because they wouldn't change that all the time. They leave it there. Sometimes they change, they will change it. They won't change it all um throughout the day. So imagine that dryness on the part that was cut. I was going. Through pain. At some point, I was even scared to pee.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I would want to pee, but the pain was so intense, I mm-hmm. would keep the pee inside myself. I wouldn't tell anyone I want to pee. But when, when I could not um, hold it anymore, I would mm-hmm. go to the toilet and pee. But when I'm peeing, it's another thing. Like, oh, my God. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to be raw because we are trying to mm-hmm. educate people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to say it all. Mm-hmm. So um, I lived through that until the day that we were, Um, they call it the Samba Soho, right? You know, when, mm-hmm. when you go through that, there is this day that you all have to go to your house. And But till that day, I was not healed. Mm. I can remember, I, um, we went back to our different houses and I was still in pain. It went through until it healed itself, but um, it, it took me more time to get healed because of the, um, the clot that was scratching, scratching, scratching the wound, scratching the wound. It it was just a traumatizing period. Mm. But alhamdulillah, I went through it. And the, the funny thing is, or the weirdest thing was, they did not communicate to my parents that, I was sealed, Mm -hmm. so I never knew that I was sealed. And I can remember um, when I was a teenager, like when I'm peeing, I would want to touch myself because I was curious about my private Mm part. And I would tell my uh, my cousins, you know, I don't know what is wrong with me, but when I touch myself, even the tip of my um my my smallest finger. It doesn't like it doesn't go inside, so I don't know why. And when I am w- seeing my period, I, it could take me three months before I see my period. And when it's coming out, it's so dark. It's only when I um when I um grew up later that was um that was the time I thought about it. That okay, the blood was not flowing like it should because of this healing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And when the blood would come out, it would be so dark because it it has stayed inside my body for like what, uh, mm-hmm. three months.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And you go to hospitals here; they will tell you. Um, sometimes it's normal that um, a lady sees the period and and not see it um, the next month or in the next two months. And the pain that comes with the period, oh my God, it's like it's it's unimaginable so imagine going through all that I still did not know that it was the result of the ceiling so fast forward I later got married and my husband me and my husband tried to you know how um how our tradition they will take you to your husband's house and wait for you to you know he we did not want that mm. so um, before when we got married I was in England. so when I, when I came back, mm-hmm. um, they chose a date that they they were supposed to take me to my husband's house and both mm-hmm. me and my husband we did not want that like people sitting and waiting. Mm-hmm. So we decided to to, to, to do it before
1: mm-hmm.
3: And then we okay we tried doing it but he could not mm-hmm. penetrate through. We tried and the pain was so much, oh my God, i would I would use dirty socks i would I would use anything that was close to me to to put it in my mouth so that I wouldn't scream too loud mm-hmm. because of the pain, and at some point he could not continue. He was like, "I don't think this is normal mm-hmm. There was no light. I told him, Can you take the the torchlight and and look mm-hmm. check what's going on?" He is like, "Um." Well, the family, you know, I don't understand. I have been with women, but I have never seen this. We have been trying for hours and this is not going anywhere. So um, he said, let me call my mom, the woman that raised him. So he went on and called her and then she came to the room. We explained and she said, then you are, you are sealed. I didn't know what, what seal was. So she mm-hmm. explained that we would have to they would have to take me back to my to my um to my parents' house and I have to be taken to Dangansin bar to remove the ceiling. And then that was exactly what they did. They take me back took me back to my um to my parents' house and then the next day my mom called my aunties, my bhajans who to, 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 to come and um take me to Dangansin bar. So they took me to the Nansingba. The Bar lived around Safidin um, in Sarakunda. Mm-hmm. That was where we turned. So we got to the bar's house. I knew that some serious pain was going to was going to uh, uh, be meted on me. Mm. But I didn't know, um, I didn't know the procedure. I didn't know that if you're still,
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They can only remove it in two ways, um, through, um, with their fingers or with the um, the razor blade. Oh, jeez. So we got to the bar's house. Before we got in, I started crying. We got in and then my my aunties explained to the Nansingba that I was filled and um, my husband cannot penetrate through. So she took us to her bedroom. And we got to the bedroom. And she told me, take up your your um your skirt and your underwear. I did the same. She said, then you can lie down. I laid down and she said to my aunties, you stand on this on her um right side, and you stand on the left side because you would need to hold um her her, her legs. Mm. And then she took something um something kind of clippery out put it on her two fingers, and then she was in my private area, trying to penetrate through.
0: Mm.
3: I screamed. It was the pain was so much. Ah, I screamed to a point where, like, I was so weak, so I just laid there and succumbed to the pain. She was just digging through just digging through digging through at some point i at some point i felt she got somewhere i had some like i had a noise to and i you know how when you're uh when you're concentrating and someone just came and hey you know what uh-huh. because of the level where she oh my god huh. uh-huh. i i just froze my entire body Rose, and then she took a cloth, cotton cloth,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then was trying to feel the the road, the road that she just dug. She felt it all the way to the uh, to the to the to um to the place where she stopped, and mm-hmm. then she said, "Okay, you can now, yeah, you must take her back to her husband's house, otherwise mm-hmm. the, the 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 whole <laughs> oh my god." Mm-hmm. ah i went to hell and back so now they have to take me back to my husband's house and then when they took me back he did not want to touch me he said i cannot i can't this is inhuman i can't Mm -hmm. you're going through a lot and i don't think we should let these people dictate what we do and me remembering in the vehicle that my aunt told me if you don't do it today, you will go through more pain tomorrow. Oh, so me knowing what I just went through, I told him, no, we must. Have, we just do it. Because what I just went through, I don't want to go through it tomorrow. So you have, we have to do it. And that was the day I remembered. I tried to a point where the dirty underwear I was wearing, I could I didn't even care that it was dirty. I put it in my mouth to succumb to the pain.
1: Uh,
0: I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's just a lot. No, we continue. To process, yes. Uh Uh Wow.
3: At some point, we still could not. He still could not get to where he should, because the um. The, the unfeeling was not done properly. So we could not pass a level. And then we both got tired because I was weak at that point. I was weak. So um, we stopped there and then they took me back to my parents' house. Then my aunties realized that the, ceiling was, the unfeeling was not done properly. So they took me, they had to take me to um, Dr. Kurang for him to operate on me, to, to clear the whole, the entire canal. And then Dr. Kurang had to do that. But I can, um, before he put me to sleep, I told him, doctor with all the all the pain that I've been going through, in mm-hmm. case I don't wake up, I have forgiven those who did this to me because if I don't, even if I die, my my um my soul will not be at peace. He said, No, don't say that you won't you won't die. You you'll soon wake up. And then he put me to sleep and then removed the entire I mean he cleared the way, if I can say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still that was the beginning of my nightmares because with the trauma that I went through, mm-hmm. my, I was really traumatized. Mm-hmm. So even though the road was cleared, mm-hmm. I still was scared of sleeping with my husband. Because mm-hmm. to me, in my head,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you're still going to go through that, the okay. pain that you've been through. Of
1: course. The moment
3: you open your legs, that's the same thing you're going through. And I never wanted to go through that. So I was saying no, 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 no. Mm. It took me around close to six weeks before I could give it a try. That was how traumatized I was. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: So um, if people are trying to um, fight for the FGM law to be repealed, I will do all I can.
1: Uh-huh.
3: to make sure that that doesn't go through because it's a violation of our rights as girls. And even in Islam, some people are saying that it's Islamic or I don't want to go through that, uh-huh. but Islam is a religion of peace. And Islam does not advocate for people, especially young girls, to be harmed. mm uh-huh. They, practices here. they practice FGM here because they said they don't want you to be promiscuous. I traveled at a very early age to Europe where my mom is not there, my father is not there, but there was no day for once that I thought of giving myself to anyone who's not married to me. So what's the point? What was the point of them making me go through all that pain uh-huh. There was no point, because I never thought of being promiscuous. Uh-huh. FDM is being practiced on girls who become pregnant at some point. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we, as a society, I think we need to sit back and take this conversation seriously. Uh-huh. It's against human rights. Uh-huh. It's inhuman. Uh-huh. I went through hell and back. And when I shared my story on Facebook, it's not like I wanted to come out to the public and tell, tell them my dirty laundry. No. but mm-hmm. I am doing, I did it because I don't want any girl child to go through what I went through. I don't want any lady to go through what I went through mm-hmm. because I went through hell and back. So um, it's just what it is. I am glad to be back on your platform. Um, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. And if you have any questions you can ask me and I'll answer. Thank you ladies.
2: Wow. Um, I'm so sorry that story sounded very traumatic. And I can't even imagine what it was like for you who actually went through it. Uh, My heart goes out to you. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. I'm a little bit emotional. Um, I too have um, cousins that have gone through it. People that I know that have gone through it. Mm -hmm. And the inhumanity of it all is glaring. It's clearly there. And the entire time I was thinking, why couldn't they give you painkillers i don't know my small-minded thinking i'm just like Mm -hmm. please give her some painkillers somebody give her some painkillers clearly this girl is in pain and um the fact that you had to go through surgery to clear your canal also shows that the practice is not Mm -hmm. well thought out like they they think they know what they're doing but from the excruciating pain that you went through after getting married and your husband trying to penetrate you and you having to go through surgery just to have intercourse with your husband is ridiculous. It's unacceptable. And
0: um, I'm going to pass it on. So, Anna, I know this is like really tough. Um, really. I mean, it's, it's really difficult. Saini, thank you for coming and sharing your story. And um, we, are so grateful for you, um, you know, obviously uh, being uh, this courageous to share your story, not only in this platform, but for us too, um, at The Woman Boss. And so within our, well, within the organization that I founded at The Woman Boss, we actually um, go through schools to try to sensitize um, young girls in school, just to educate them, because we feel that, um, you know, the generation, seniors' um, generation, even the ones before that, it's uh-huh. already been done. The practice has been done. And so how do we educate some of these young girls to try to see what they could do um, to talk to their parents, to have those communication, to at least bring more awareness and um, realize that some of these things have even gone through, you know, this is, um, it's been performed on them. Most of the time when we go to schools, you um, uh-huh. Just like, you know, yes, that um, right now data shows that um, it's 75 percent uh, uh, women or girls have gone through FGM in the Gambia. But when you go okay. through schools, anywhere from rural to urban, and I just want to emphasize on the urban, because people think this practice just being done, you know, in rural parts of Gambia and, you know, very incorrect because obviously saying story, she is born raised in urban parts of Gambia and so when we share this, um, when we share just, you know, talk about how many people in the classroom gone through FGM um, the prevalence rate for the most part is like 90%, right? And so, at least for these young girls so you know the law has been banned but they're still practicing it um, another point is that um most of these girls, they are like, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's been practiced or not. And so we teach them. Um, one thing that we teach them is like, go home, be familiar with your own vagina and know, like, okay, does this look real? Um, you know, like my other friends or, you know, what I just saw today, because obviously we show them, you know, what a picture of, of a real vagina will look like, uncircumcised or unmutilated. And so we showed them that. And so hopefully that will also um, be, you know, an educational um, uh, time for them, a moment for them. And so we've gone through schools where the young girls will come the following day because we usually spend two days with them. And the second day will come in. I did. And they'll cry. I found out I am. But I'm really not sure what type. Right. Even uh-huh. though we go through the types, but because they're so young, they're still not uh-huh. sure. If it's, you know, type two or three or whatever. Another point that I do want to make sure that it's highlighted that in the Gambia it's a lot of communication, especially now um, mm-hmm. because of the law that's trying to be appealed overturned, it's that, um, you know, we only practice this you know, genital cutting Mm-mm. and it's just, they're just cutting a little bit of the clitoris and that's not the fact. I mean, obviously, again, Saini's stories right there. Um, it's another proof that, you know, they go in all the way to type three and the sealing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The sealing procedure too uh, in the Gambia, they've known to use cow dunk and tomato paste to seal it. Mm-hmm. And if you know cow dunk, that's cow poop. That they're using and tomato paste, and so there's lots of infections that can happen. Mm-hmm. It's the same blade. There's probably a, that Nansiba, you know, that Seni went through. Maybe it's the same blade that cut. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe all those girls that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, in other parts of, I think, in Somalia, Sudan, I can't remember exactly. Like these women will grow their fingernail and yank the clitoris out of these kids, and so there's like it's really. Um, just an awful practice. Um, it's there's no reason why it should be like this, and um, right now we've also implemented the Me Too at FGM. So we'll be actually launching that program in the next couple of weeks. Well, two to three weeks, we'll be launching it, and um, you know, Saini again obviously shared her story there and lots of uh, numerous women across the Gambia to share their stories just to reiterate the importance of making sure the law that we currently have that was implemented um, just stays as it is and um, hopefully that will be the case because it's such a sensitive topic right now in the the Uh Gambia and it just, um, there's a reason why it was banned and it needs to stay that way. Because we are, I mean, not we, but um, they are really violating, um, mm-hmm. you know, girls' rights and women's rights. And I hate to hear so many stories like Saini. I mean, right now you know it. There's a lot, of, I think we did like an episode back in the day when we were talking about this um maternal maternal deaths and so on and so forth right like mm-hmm. you know women are giving birth and dying and that's actually one of the causes as well and nobody wants to talk about that obviously um, there are so many factors that go in um, from the loss of blood from you know going through trying to do a normal delivery and obviously end up having maybe if possible cesarean, um, and other things that I'm sure Dr. Nafi will highlight. But mm-hmm. majority is just that, just to show and share that the practice should not be done. Um, mm-hmm. Being, you know, going through FGM or not does not make a person, you know, feel like you have to go and be wild or whatever. Trying to be promiscuous is what they're saying. They're trying to limit that. Mm-hmm. Again, we know that actually now lots more are coming out, um, and saying, well, because I went through this, I'm trying it out now just to see what I want, right? And so that way when I get married, I'm not going through the pain that Saini goes through. So you hear there's various stories now because obviously um, women are becoming more liberated and feel like, you know, obviously they have options and choice. Um, so I will think I'll stop there and I'll pass the mic over to Dr. Nafi and Anna. I'm so sorry. I know this is a lot. But um, we just have to use that platform and make sure, you know, we bring awareness to our audience.
1: Thank you, Awa. I mean, I, well, I mean, thank you, Saini, for going through that with us. I just have to say I love you and that I am in such, I'm just, I'm in awe of your strength to just, For something like this, something, you know, to this magnitude to happen to you as a child, right? It has psychological, emotional side effects, like implications because it's it's pretty traumatic. And yet here you are, like in our culture, there's so much labeling. So people are always scared to actually come forward and, and speak on these types of things. And so I commend you for actually having the courage to stand up because you could have said, and like you just said, your business is out there for all to see, right? And so not everybody would actually take that risk because it is a risk. People get stigmatized in our community for having, you know, for for wanting to speak up on things like that. So I just want to take a second just so that you understand the magnitude of what you're doing. You may not think it's a lot, but it's quite a bit. And so I just want to say thank you for that. And and and, and, and the you. trauma, the trauma that you went through. And um, hopefully you get some emotional healing out of this. Because to be honest, some people go for the rest of their lives and they haven't truly healed emotionally about from the trauma that has happened to them. And so it what what this does, I think it opens a conversation about um, some of the side effects, right? Because I know when this was really a hot topic online, people had been debating it the past few weeks, and then obviously there are people who, because in our society, we we were quick. To label people, right? And, and I think that's part of the, the problem that we have where some people don't want to be labeled as uh, a less than product, right? And so they then come out with a narrative that I had it done and I'm okay and da 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 da, da. And what I want us to emphasize is that it's it, there are people who can go through this and they can be all right, not have any sexual side effects, However, there's a huge um, group of, pop- of the population that are suffering from side effects of FGM. And so just, we don't want to minimize those people. And so to just, we, we want to be very careful by not saying, oh, I went through it, so I'm okay. So to people that that has happened to, we say, thank the Lord, Alhamdulillah, that you came over to the other side on escape. But that does not mean that this practice is okay. And so we should not be trying to um, justify it. And and as a a Mandinka woman, I have to say, culturally, people tend to attribute um, themselves, like I said earlier, to this culture as a rite of passage, right? I watched a video where somebody was saying that because her grandfather did it, her mother did it, so she did it. And what I want to say to that person is that because your grandmother had something done to them, because your great-grandmother had something done to them, and you did, does not make that right. And we need to uneducate and, and reeducate our minds as to the fact that when something is cultural, does not always make it okay or good. And so we tend to want to defend the good and the bad of culture. And so hopefully when somebody listens to this, they understand that there are cultures in this world where, for example, if a man dies, their wife is buried with them so that she can go help them in the next life. It's a cultural practice, but this does not make that cultural practice okay or right. And or you have cultural practices where people um, uh, back in the day, or not so mu- so much back in the day, but women like girl child like girl children were being killed and buried because they were not seen as uh as important as the as the as the boy child and so there were cultures where if you had a daughter they were killed these are traditions and and cultural practices that are happening or were happening that did not make it right so i want us to kind of really dig deep and think about these types of things. Culture, practice, right, tradition, these are all man-made. We made these things. Our great, 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 great grandparents or grandmothers came up with these things. And so it's up to us to see if these cultures, are they serving us any purpose or not? And if a cultural practice does not serve any purpose, or in fact, if it is causing harm, Harms such as children having bleeding, they're, they're bleeding to death, right? They're having infections. They're having a whole lifetime of sexual pain. These are practices that we should truly ask ourselves. Is it worth continuing? And I think sometimes we need to, you know, get into it and talk about it. It's pride that keeps us wanting to do certain things. Because when I hear people rebuttling, you hear Saini's story. And then you have somebody else then try to say, well, it's cultural. I'm sorry. We are the ones who make culture and we are the ones who can take away culture if it does not serve purpose, because we shouldn't just blindly follow something or blindly follow a culture that is causing so much pain and harm to our people and our girls. And so the religious aspect of things, if you know your religion, then you should know that this practice started before Islam was even a thing, okay? So FGM has been going on, like I said, since before Prophet uh, 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 Musa back, they're dating this back to Prophet Ibrahim. So this did not start because of Islam. This was going on well before Islam. And when this was happening during the Prophet Muhammad's time, he told them that it was a very harsh, performance or a very harsh practice to do. And there there is this one really weak hadith that most people don't even believe. And in that hadith, he told them, if you are going to do it because of your tradition, you should definitely be very mindful how you do it. This, The way you're doing it is not the right way to do it. And so people are saying, well, because he's saying, he's not really fully saying don't do it. So my rebuttal to that is that if the, this is a, a religious practice. How come none of the prophet's wives and daughters have ever had FGM done? That's what I want somebody to explain to me. I have yet to see one person tell me why the prophet's wife and, and daughters never had FGM done because it's not a Muslim practice and because he did not condone it. So we need to educate ourselves instead of listening to some of the religious leaders. Try to tell us that it's a it's a Muslim it's a it's an Islamic practice, you know what I mean? And so you need to be very careful. You know, sorry, Sandy, did you say something? No, no, no. So we need to be we need to be very careful, and so this goes back to mothers and fathers also of children, because what tends to happen in Gambia, there is so much pressure on the parents. There's so much cultural pressure because I remember um, that there are, uh, uh, especially nowadays, where most of the moms and dads are trying to resist and say, well, you know, it was done to me, but I don't think it's appropriate I do it to my child. And then you have the surrounding, the environment where people are saying to you, how dare you don't do it to your child? Your child is now unclean, unpure. They will be more uh, promiscuous. That's not true. We have women who have been circumcised and they have teen pregnancy, There are tons of teen pregnancies where most of those people are circumcised women. So that is not true to say that it will help um, you not, you know, want to have sex or whatnot, right? If you teach your children good morals, that's what prevents them from wanting to go out and do certain things. It's not cutting a person's genitalia. That's not what prevents them. It's what you teach them teach them morally. And so I think sometimes the pressure that we put on each other, because there is a thing where we're seeing a lot of um, other cultures, other tribes that typically do not practice FGM, like the Wolofs, the Akus, the Manjagos, and the Sarahules, and the sorry, the Serials. They don't practice FGM typically in a traditional sense. However, we are seeing more of them doing it because of surrounding pressure if they're living in a, in a in a in a community where it's predominantly either mandinka Sarah, you know sarahule or a tribe that performs it all of a sudden you are now being pressured and you are being told your child your daughter is not is less than is less clean is less pure because they have not had this performed to them and so most of these parents are, are succumbing to that pressure, so we need to make sure we continue the education around that. Even grown women are getting circumcised when they get married into one of these practicing tribes, just because you wanna, just so they can be accepted as a cleansed woman. And that's just terrible that we do that. And I wanna, it's not that we're attacking any one culture because like I said, I, I am Mandinka, so my culture practices this. It's not that we're, we're, we're not trying to insult anybody and there's no need to insult anybody. And I feel like mostly when we have a communication about, about FGM, there's two camps where both people are yelling and cursing at each other. And for, for like I said, for, for, for a long time now, for decades, that hasn't gotten us any closer to solving this. I think that people need to sit together And we need to really try to discuss and get to the bottom. There is a psychological reason why people are willing to risk their children's lives with death and infection in order to do this. And that's where we need to focus on and educate people and try to unlearn some of those pressures, why you feel like you need to do that. And um, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk a little bit more, Anna. Hopefully you're doing okay now.
2: Yes. Thank you. Um, First, I just want to say thank you, Saini, for sharing your trauma. Thank you for trusting us enough to share something that's so personal and clearly such a difficult story. Mm -hmm. Um, We truly appreciate your courage and the bravery it took to share that with us. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that what happened to you wasn't your fault. Mm -mm. And I also want to say that I'm sorry that you were hurt and harmed and we support you. Mm -hmm. Um, And in saying that, I wanted to bring up the aspect of this cultural practice um, in Gambia that is grounded in traditions of Mm -hmm. the patriarchy and how we subjugate women. I know that there's excuses for linking FGM to religion, to traditional practices, to religious practices. But I think we need to figure out a way to empower women and changing Mm -hmm. some of these gender roles because Mm -hmm. the patriarchy is a societal system, right? In where men are in the position of dominance and privilege. Whenever you talk about FGM, you hear it's linked to promiscuity So they don't want women to be promiscuous because they're supposed to preserve themselves for men. Saini already shared with us that Saini got educated outside of the Gambia, lived in a completely different country in the Western world. And Saini never thought about having sex or intercourse before marriage because of how she was brought up at home. Mm -hmm. So that already debunks the entire philosophy behind close them so that they're not gonna go out there and spread their legs and be promiscuous. But Sani, I wanted to ask you, as someone who has gone through this practice, do you think we are focusing the raising of awareness and mm-hmm. the trying to get people educated and also making sure that we're trying to get people to unlearn their bad habits? Are we focusing it on the wrong part of of society should we be focusing on the fathers should we be sitting the fathers down to Mm -hmm. talk to them about how harmful this is to their daughters and to their Mm -hmm. sisters and to their wives so that they can help discourage Mm -hmm. women to do this to their own children because you said in your story that your husband felt so much so much of your pain And he felt empathy for you. And he kept telling you, we can't do this. You're in too much pain. So for someone who's seen what it is and the hurt, do you think if you were to have a child with your husband, your husband would clearly discourage you from having your daughter go through the same practice that you went through? I'm just trying to see what are your thoughts on, are we we targeting the wrong
3: audience um Great question. i think we are on the right path but um i feel that it comes in a package yeah we need to involve the the husbands we need to involve um religious leaders we need to involve mm-hmm. everyone in the cycle
1: because
3: mm-hmm. if we really focus on just one side um mm-hmm. then then we won't um we won't um do it that well so um Focusing on the entire package, I mm-hmm. think that way would be um, better when it comes to raising awareness on FGM. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, a lot of people, I would say. Um, the sorry, my he's my ex now. Um, if we had a child, he would have never, he would have never allowed anyone mm-hmm. to to conduct FGM on, on 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 his daughter because he saw what I went through. Mm-hmm. and um we should also involve involve the um the the people that are practicing this 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 fgm
1: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. since it's banned um you wouldn't know a lot that are doing it because mm-hmm. they're hiding it because the law has been banned but it's evident that it is still being carried it is still being done so mm-hmm. um and it's very difficult because the last time um i was invited Will was having an, a workshop and um this ngantingba was invited and the mm-hmm. argument was heated because she would not she refused to to listen to people for people yeah. to explain to her why this practice should not be done why she mm-hmm. should not do conduct this practice on 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 on, on girls and 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 at the beginning, it was just so annoying and frustrating because you know how you have evidence of um, a certain thing, but um, this person conducting that that harmful practice wouldn't want to listen to the evidence that you have. So um, the moment we leave these people outside the box when it comes to raising awareness, um, mm-hmm. It it still it's a big gap. Mm-hmm. So um, like I said, it's a package, and everyone has to be targeted. Everyone, mm-hmm. religious leaders, our husbands, mm-hmm. even boys, mm-hmm. they have to know um that this practice is harmful, and it mm-hmm. have it has so many um side effects. So um, them growing up, becoming fathers. They should not allow their kids to be caught, so yeah. it's like I said, it's a package we should focus on the entire package yeah, and i I
2: want I, to add uh, that sorry uh, Nafi, um sorry oh mary i I just had a follow up question. I don't want to lose my train of thought because, mm-hmm. okay. Steny, you just you just shared that um there are a lot of communities where we're still upholding this illegal practice in Mm -hmm. secrecy right Mm -hmm. Um, because of our cultural and traditional beliefs but there's also another part that i want you to maybe you might you might know more than i do but there seems to be an immense stigma and discrimination Mm -hmm. that are faced by those who have not undergone cutting can you please just enlighten us about what that is because there's women who have not been circumcised, mm-hmm. but then there's a stigma towards them for not right. being circumcised. And my mom is Tanzanian. So I feel like sometimes I'm left out of some of the Gambian, you know, cultural education when it comes to what is it about that stigma? Why would you be stigmatized because you didn't get cut? Isn't that not a good thing?
3: It's, it's, they, they're, they're just not, they don't know what it is. Um, you know, they call you names. I have mm-hmm. seen people that have names like Sulima. Sulima, in, in yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sulima. It's, yeah. Uh, since you were not caught, you are mm-hmm. Sulima. Yeah.
1: And and what that means in translation, really, is that you're uh, Hamulodara, um, somebody who, you know, in Mandinka, it's Imam Felong. So Sulima means somebody who hasn't been Hamulobut. They teach you, you don't know, because they're attributing you going to through FGM, right? That they're teaching you certain cultural things, which I'm not against teaching the child certain cultural things to know. You can teach them that, minus the FGM cutting. They don't need to lose body parts to learn a cultural practice. So I think uh, that's why they use those words to, um, it's a a derogatory term, actually. Solima, is a Mandinka word, but it's a derogatory term that they use against anybody else who has not gone through the practice because they're saying that you are less than, that you're not pure or you're not cleansed enough because you have not gone through this process of being cut and then being taught um, certain things about what traditionally is appropriate and it's not appropriate. So I think it's a tactic that people do to just like in any culture, right? Racial culture, when you call a black person a name, right? Because you're not black uh, and making them feel less than or, or inferior than you. And that's simply, Anna, why the name calling is. It's just in our culture, we're quick to condemn. So that's why there's this pressure around it with other from other cultures too, you know, like i don't know if that helps answer your question yeah there's yeah.
0: um there's another like there's another um, aspect of it is that sometimes they are educated though the girls and i don't know say if of you went through that they are taught that yeah. these girls that didn't go through it they have a smell they smell they also taught that um their clitoris could be you know if they if they didn't go through the cutting it could grow as big as a penis Um, they're going to be, you know, uh, promiscuous and things like that. So they've kind of filled their head with, like, things that are, you know, just biases Mm -hmm. and myths around Mm -hmm. all these things, right? It's Mm -hmm. against the Quran, they're not clean and so on and so forth. So obviously that's when they look at each other, they're probably thinking, oh, you then go through it because obviously this is, like, information where we hear young girls are telling us, Mm-hmm. You know, well, they taught me this, they told me this. And so I didn't know that it wasn't true. I mean, you know, can you imagine believing that your clitoris can be the size of a penis? And so you know things like that. Another thing that and I just wanted to make a point to that I don't forget, it's most of the time, especially in the Gambia I can speak for, it's not the men that are taking these girls. It's the women. It's the older women that are taking mm-hmm. these girls. This is not, and I just want to be clear, this is not the men saying, go ahead and go cut my girl, right? This is the the, the grandmothers, the aunties, and all of them like, no, they have to go through it. Everybody, like We went through it, they got to go through it. So mm-hmm. conversations, like Saini said, has to be all around. It should be mm-hmm. literally a community of everybody having those discussions. Another thing mm-hmm. that we do um, I'm glad you mentioned boys because we also talk to boys now in school because they are going to be the fathers. And mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes the father can put a, you know, a, their foot down and say, do not take my daughter. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, they don't even listen to them. They're like, ah, when you get in, we're going to go do that, right? Because we hear the stories over and over. I didn't want it. but And so you hear all the time, like, I'm warning you. If you take my child, I'll divorce you. you know Things like that to mm-hmm. make it very obvious and serious.
2: Mm-hmm. And this
0: is as young as our generation. So mm-hmm. the practice is still here because this myth that they, you know, literally infected their brains with. And I don't know how you can think. And some of these women are educated women. I don't understand how they can think this is okay and this is correct. Only because they're telling you they're cutting a little tip. Even a little tip is too much.
1: Well, you know, right? oh, well, let me jump in here right quick. But my then my question becomes, would we allow some random person on the street, cut your finger off, like surgically? Would you, any of us in Gambia, would we allow oh. anybody to perform any type of, <laughs> this, this is a surgery
0: they're going
1: to be like are you me?
0: really going to talk about look, look, yeah this yeah, is yeah, a I, surgery I, I get it
1: we will not allow it. anybody call hamne, ligi, ligi. they're blindly cutting onto these girls and that's why yeah. some of them die because medically you cut right if you're not too familiar with the anatomy and you cut an artery this person will bleed to death in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens to some of these young girls. When you're caught and you're put to the side and people are attending to somebody else, within a matter of hours, you're laying there, you're bleeding, and people are thinking, it's normal, well, she just got caught. Nobody's truly realizing that your artery is cut. And that's because sometimes, I guess, we don't think about the medical aspect of things. We're just saying, well, it's a harmless cut. It's not a harmless cut. We all have to go to medical school, learn these things before we perform anything. You don't know, by,
2: jaykati gurubi, mu perform a C-section on you. Right. Definitely so, not. And Nafi, I just wanted to also jump in and respond to our Mary because I think we would be remiss if we just give the men a pass. I oh, think yeah. saying that the, the fathers are not involved or the fathers are unaware is a way of just giving them a pass. I think they sh- also should be held responsible for what happened to their children, especially today they- to their daughters. And I feel like if men are more vocal with their wives and the women in their lives and being very clear and matter of fact that none of their daughters should undergo this practice, mm-hmm. I promise mm-hmm. you the numbers would reduce because For the women saying that a young girl cannot find a husband or get married if she has not undergone cut, that's their own insecurities that they're projecting onto these little girls. But I feel like because we come from cultures where the patriarchy is what it is and men are given the power that they do have, if men stood up and were in support of getting rid of this practice, I promise you we would see the data where the numbers would go down quite significantly. And I think it's their ignorance or they choose to be ignorant. And say, ah, you, know how much you say, Lord, they know what's happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I want right. to believe they are well aware. And if they're not, they need to be part of the conversation so that this practice can be gone forever. Yeah. Well,
0: Thank you, they, they know. And I agree with you, of course. I mean, I think they all need to be. I'm just saying that let's just not think that it's only the men that's you know allowing their kids to go get it i'm saying that it's both let's not think that women don't want their daughters to go get you know fgm and then men are allowing that that's why i mean that it's not just one you know sex or one gender it's both at this point it's both the mom it's both the dad but it's more prevalent with these women that are saying Mm -hmm. because it's tradition because of what they believe right it's yeah, not right. men on those tables that are cutting the girls it's women that are cutting the girls
2: yes and i you and see i what do i'm believe, saying yeah yes. and i do believe we yeah. should be more inclusive while we're trying Absolutely. to get the message of awareness and and trying to get people to unlearn bad behaviors and i also just wanted to touch on because it seems like there are also a lot of cases of discrimination and violence Of and who refuse for their daughters to undergo fgm mm-hmm. um oh mary mm-hmm. is is there have you come across any of that where there's girls and families who are refusing to undergo fgm and they're mm-hmm. getting shunned in their communities or there's violence towards them is there yeah, anything yeah, yeah. like that absolutely
0: happening? oh yeah yeah it's it's actually that's very common um you get whooping i mean you know now with young girls like i said feel very They'll call oh, and report. And when you go home, you get a beating. Um, you know, like, you, yeah, definitely, yeah, what a baller. You know, things like that. You hear it in the community. Obviously, it's it's prevalent. Um, there's there's no limitation to what's happening right now. Like I said, obviously, once the law was passed, there was, because of the prime president, um, I feel like um, people were a little bit more afraid of him, right? So to practice, mm-hmm. because, you know, but I think once he also left office, maybe, um, you know, with a new um, candidate, maybe they thought that they could still loosen up. Obviously, that's still not the case, because hence the reason why, you know, the three cases that's bringing all this uh, chaos that's going around um, right now, um, which is actually even a good thing, because maybe we'll get it banned for good, and it's not going to be a point of discussion anymore. And- um
1: oh. Now,
0: the reason for people who don't know
1: why this has become an issue again, the three cases that are going on, is it because some children recently died while this um, was being performed to them?
0: No. So um, I don't I don't think I don't think they died. Um, but I think they were just they were just reported. It was up in rural. Um, It was reported. But there have been cases, obviously, with death. But it's just those things that we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And they're hidden. So it's not one thing that the families will share. um, That, you know, a person, obviously, you know, that in the community. You hear the stories, obviously. um, You hear stories, especially uh, within the fuller tribe where, um, you know, because I think most of them, too, do go through type three. Um, where they also do the complete seal. Um, so you do hear, you know, horrific stories like that, where a child passed, you know, obviously lost their life. Um, so it happens um, to a point where actually, right now, currently in Spain, um, there's a case where um, a newborn was, you know, um, uh, taken to, uh, to get FGMc or whatever. So it was reported. So it's a big case is up in the north. Um, But because, again, most of the folks that are coming into the country, they're uneducated, they're either Fula, Sarahulei tribe. And so, you know, it's it's bringing up the uproar again of educating, you know, like, okay, here you can't do that, right? Like this is a different country and so on. But even in the Gambia, it should not be allowed. And it's not, it's actually still, there's a law against it. But people are still finding a way. So now they're going younger and younger. You know, Saini's mm-hmm. at eight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we lost Saini, by the way. <laughs> but yes, I was so just going to say, Anna, okay. are you
1: able to send her another link? She texted and said she couldn't reclap, but you joined us. Yeah, it takes, uh-huh. you know, it takes
0: what. Sometimes it takes a while. But um, so just so you know, like, um, there's... There are laws that are against it, but people are still hiding. So they're going younger, Mm -hmm. you know, young girls. uh, That way they, you know, um, you feel like you won't remember or you can't report. However, remember, when you're in the Western world, you are to report, you know, your children going to need vaccinations, your children um, are going to be seen by doctors. And in the U.S., I believe, I think it's optional to even get vaccinations, In Spain specifically, because obviously I live there, you can't, there's no option. So I'll give you an example why my daughter at the age of 12, I think you have to go to this HPV um, uh, shots, right? The vaccine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I did not want it. And they're like, well, if you don't want it, she can't go to school. And I was like, well, dang, okay, Mm -hmm. I guess I have to get it done, right? Because... Mm -hmm that's how it is. It's like you either take it or you don't, even with the COVID was the same way. And so, you know, laws are very strict and, you know, when it comes Mm -hmm. to vaccines. And so when you take your child being a newborn or even a toddler, obviously they still need to, they they do a a full inspection. They're going to see that your child is missing a clitoris, right? And so things like that. So I think that's an educational um, part too, that hopefully people will share that and I hope today too if we can I know we've shared a lot of information but I hope that we can um, do it in the local do language I, love, yeah, I think I'm this Mandinka. is going to be very important I was that the message that. is shared across
1: yeah I was thinking that too and just so, to piggyback sorry I will go ahead
0: no I was going to say so Anna can do the the, um, the of part
1: all right, so just to piggyback on what you just said, there there is a lot of implications for having your child uh, have FGM performed on them, especially if you live in the West,